The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Keith. I'll be your host until 9.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. Uh, we have a very special show for you this evening, unless you live under a rock. Uh, you know that tonight is draft eve, which means tomorrow is the 2016 NFL draft, the first round of. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, football nerds rejoice. Your shining moment is almost upon us. So we've got plenty to talk about regarding tomorrow, tomorrow's draft. Uh, throughout tonight's program, we'll visit with various AFC East writers. Some of them are with SB Nation. Uh, others have their own site. And we'll get an idea of what our opponents plan to do tomorrow night. <clears throat> we'll, also hope, we'll also visit with uh, Finsider Insider Matthew Kanata. He'll have the very latest news and rumors regarding the Dolphins and the number 13 pick in their possession. He's going to give us a call, I think, around 9.15 Eastern. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, we'll also have our phone lines open throughout the show. We want to know your ideal Miami Dolphins draft. So give us a call here in the faux studio, 347-326-9461. Uh, you can tell us about the guys you want to draft, the guys you don't want to draft, the guy you think we will draft, et cetera. I mean, you name it, we'll listen to it. We're all ears, so give us a call, 347-326-9461. In the meantime, let me introduce my co-host, uh, the excellent, always entertaining, Ron Caniff. What's up, Ron? Hey, how's it going, man? How are you feeling about the show? We haven't completely scared you off with our ineptitude and classlessness yet. so. <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's draft talk. We're finally almost there, so it's uh, pretty exciting. Happy to have you. I uh, received a ton of positive feedback last week uh, and this week regarding your first show. Apparently, people like you. People dislike wow. me, so I, I approve of this yin and yang thing we have going on the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain it'll go down in flames, but it will be spectacular. Yes, hopefully. Uh, also, from Finn Maniacs, longtime contributor to the show, good friend of mine, Louis Sung. How are you this evening? Doing good, guys. Ready to go. Lewis stepped out of an event to be part of this, which means that he is ready to go. Uh, so we've got this sort of draft free for all. I think they're going to start calling in around 815. I, I always want to say 815 Eastern, but most of the people listening to this show, I've gotten uh, messages from people saying, well, why, why in the hell do you always say Eastern? I'm in central standard time. 
So I have to remind myself that it's Eastern. So when I'm talking to you and I say Eastern, I'm really talking to myself. <clears throat> before we get into it, I mean, everyone's going to call in around 8.15. Uh, so before we uh, go ahead and talk to, and I don't know who's going to call in either. I had a whole email list and everyone was uh, responding. I think we had a, a Pats writer. Uh, ooh, boo, Pats. Uh, we had a couple of Jets guys. I think Kyle Smith from AFC East Bros is calling in at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I was introduced to him through Ron. So now we've got this whole degree of separation thing going on. Uh, he, uh, Kyle and Gary have become uh, pretty good friends of mine. I enjoy talking to those guys. I was on their show last week. He'll be on at some point. I think we've got a couple of SB Nation guys from Jets and the Bills, I hope. I would like to get a full slate here just so we can make fun of all of them. I'd hate to leave anyone out. Uh, in the meantime, before we get that started, um, Ron brought up something earlier today, and we should cert- at least touch on it. So Rashad Jones and Dominican Sue, minicamp, and I suspect that it's just the media just trying to skyrocket this out of proportion and make something out of nothing. And then you're seeing the reports come out that people are bitter toward and Dominican Sue for not participating in these voluntary camps. So I'll ask both of you guys story or non-story. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Ron. A total non-story, especially on the Rashad Jones side. I mean, we hear this all the time when they start showing, not showing up for mandatory things, especially when they start not showing up for training camp. Okay. But when's the last time we saw a Miami dolphin, like uh, not show up for games, hold out for a contract. I can't even remember. It's just not something that is prevalent in our organization. Plus it, it's, it's uh, good for both parties to get this settled maybe front load the contract a little while we've got some money now before the big Sue money hits. Uh, I think they'll get this taken care of. I don't think it's going to be an issue at all with Rashad Jones and Sue is Sue. I mean, this was kind of thing in Detroit. He didn't always show up for the voluntary, which they are voluntary, even though I know all the coaches want him there. We want him there. So I I don't, I think it's a non-story right now, honestly. What do you think, Lewis? I suppose, if nothing else, it's only a story because lately these sorts of things don't usually happen with the Dolphins. We've always heard about how unless somebody is sick or something, there's been a, it's a perfect attendance. It's all of these things. Even Indomitian Sue showed up for that stuff last season. So now all of a sudden Sue going back to his normal ways, it suddenly has everybody thinking, oh, well, he must think he's better than us. Well, newsflash, folks, he is, first of all. Second of all, the only the, the bigger story I think would be the fact that Rashad is actually holding out for a new contract. Now, I'm not going to begrudge the man for looking for more money. Obviously, he thinks he's the best and he wants to be paid like he's the best, not the best strong safety, the safety period. So he wants that Eric Berry or he wants that um um Earl Th- or is it Earl Thomas? That's his name. Yes. Okay, Earl Thomas contract. Um, I mean. It'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins handle that because Rashad, know, Rashad, even Rashad knows that unless he's around, the safety position is in absolute shambles. Like regardless of whether or not Isa Abu Kudus winds up becoming this superstar safety guy, we don't know what he'll be yet. Regardless of that, that still only leaves one slot taken care of because without Rashad, who is there? Michael Thomas. I'm sure Jordan. I'm sure Jordan Kovacs will find a way to come back somewhere. So they always they always bring him back eventually. So 
unless you have Rashad, you have nothing. And Rashad knows he's one of the best. He knows the defense needs him, and he's using that to his fullest um, fullest advantage. So I'm interested in what Greer and Tannenbaum are going to use to approach that situation because if Rashad is actually staying out, I know Rashad is normally very team player. He's he's very much um, – He's very much a guy who we would like to hang around. He's a nice guy. I've met I've met the family. They're awesome people. So if Rashad is actually holding out, it's because he really wants that money, and I'm a little concerned about how the Dolphins are going to handle that situation. I think what we're maybe seeing right now is that somewhat uh, tenuous moment when um, you've got this new regime that pretty much comes in. I understand that this is like Tannenbaum's first – uh, quote-unquote year of really just having a, a full grasp on things with Chris Greer. Um, and you've got the old guard in there, and you're going to see – you're bringing in these new guys too, and you're seeing where everything fits. I mean, who are your core guys, your cornerstone guys? Uh, Rashad Jones is absolutely one of them, and Diamond Sue is another one of them, especially with how much they pay him. So uh, I, it is an on story. It's something that – I mean, you'd think that there's plenty of – other things to talk about here. Cause when that story came out, we were what 48 hours from the draft, 72 hours from the draft. So um, just in my opinion, not a big deal, not really anything to, to break a sweat about. Uh, the one thing I, I do wonder about is how they actually make compression shirts big enough to fit in Dominican Sue, because he is a large man. He is a large man and those shirts are very tiny. So that's a modern of, or that's a, miracle of modern science right there. And I mean, that's a, a legitimate question that I have every time I see him with those shirts, I'm like, how exactly do you make those things? So one thing I want to point out as we're kind of getting through here before a draft bonanza or draft discussion bonanza kicks up, we'll do our own mock draft on this show. I'll do my, my crappy big board uh, where I'll put all of the most terrible players at the top, just to really irritate dolphins, Twitter, <clears throat> which has become a real hobby of mine as of late. I'm not you're, you're very good at it, Keith. You're, you're, I am. I'm great at it. You troll them like a champion. No, no, no. Uh, we'll the three of us will do a, a little mock draft. I have this thing out in front of me. Um, I don't want the Dolphins pick just because I don't. I don't want that kind of pressure right now. Uh, so uh, either of you guys will get to that point, and then I'll you know, be glad to take that pick. Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, one thing I want to point out is, and I mentioned this on last week's show, I finally got some news regarding what I'm doing with uh, going downtown for the draft tomorrow. I got to go pick up my credentials. I think it starts at like two. You can go pick them up at the center. And then uh, it sounds like I'm on the floor. I didn't realize that's where the, the media went, but they said that I'm out on the floor pretty much. Uh, and anytime that there's a player selected and I want to get, be a part of that media meet and greet or whatever, you can go off to the side and do that, which is pretty awesome. Cause the only time I really have an intention of doing that is the number 13 pick or wherever Miami ends up if they decide to trade that. So I'm hoping there's not too many Miami guys there. So I don't have to like swim through a bunch of people to do it. That probably will be the case regardless. But, um, so that's what I've got going on. I'll be tweeting during it. Lewis is going to the uh, the team party. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? 
Well, uh, last season they had a NFL draft party at the uh, stadium, and since they're rebuilding it now, they're going to be making the switch to the Davy facility. So um, I'll be at the Don Taft Center, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be having a draft party. I don't know how they're going to fit it all in there yet. My guess is it's going to be like TVs all over the place showing the draft. There's going to be players there. There's going to be alumni. There's going to be um, activities and games and a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, and I'm going to try and do my own reports when uh, Finn Maniacs does their live draft show. So there's always that. I'm going to see what I can. Uh, I'm going to see. I'm going to scope the place out and see what I can uh, talk about because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on there. And I'm sure that when the Dolphins make their pick, there's either going to be a lot of rage or a lot of cheering. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and so Ron's hosting your show. How is this working again? Ron kind of explained it to me, but I don't. I don't recall. The, the entire um, scope of detail. It's going to be Ron and my co my main co-host Chad Ronabom. They're going to be hanging. They're going to be holding down the fort while I'm at the draft party. My brother's going to be my production manager guy at home, and uh, we'll probably have a few guys on to uh, talk some draft with them. So it's going to be interesting. To, it's going to be a very interesting experiment because this is probably the first show that I'm actually a part of that I'm not in control of. Uh, well, I think it back because last, last year I did the same thing. Of course, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite as organized because I still had Matt on the, uh, on the other end. You need to get your brother one of those uh, like little production vans so you can just park outside the Davy facility and then let him work the, the board and everything while you're inside. That would be interesting, but I, I, I think I would have to start selling some merchandise first. <laughs> I, need some, I need some money. We'll, go, we'll create a GoFundMe. For, for Lewis's production van. And again, I can on. Because your brother's name is Joshua, right? Yes. Okay, that's right. When I've been on your show before, I just know you've referred to him. I, th- I thought it was that name. Uh, all right, yep. so this is uh, the finalized big board that I have right now. I just went 10 just because I don't really want to get too much into this. Um, it is amazing how Ezekiel Elliott has blown up Dolphins Twitter the past three weeks. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but this went from being like a multi-horse race to Ezekiel Elliott and, and guests pretty much. So I've got him number one. Is he the number one guy uh, or is he the guy they'll take? I don't know. You're seeing all these rumors right now. Dallas wants him. Chicago wants to trade up for him. Cleveland could surprise and take him. There's so many smoke screens, and they, that's what they are, smoke screens, because it's not like any team worth its salt is just going to leak out its draft plans unless their front office is completely inept, which I mean, I'm not, I won't rule out for some teams. Maybe us. Cleveland. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Cleveland. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what will happen with that. But right now, I got him as the number one guy on my board. I think that if all of these players that I have listed on here, we're on the board. I think he'd probably be the pick. Although I think they'd consider the guy I have number two. That's Miles Jack. I think he's the other guy where if, if it was Elliot and Jack on the board, which would be just an absolute miracle for that to happen, but who knows? Uh, if Jack's on the board, I oh, think that Jack. there's some... What's that? Miles Jack. Lewis has been on the Miles Jack train from the beginning. You got to give him t- yeah. complete props yeah. for that. Yeah, he has. He, he, you have not relented, Lewis. You have said Miles Jack the whole way and have not come off of it for one minute. Yeah, you've had the pedal to the metal the entire time. So we applaud you for that. He's number two on my board. Uh, I don't buy this. 
mean, you got a lot of people saying that they're not sure about his knee. Um, they don't know if he can be a top 10 pick with that knee. And then when Matthew Kanata came on here last week and pretty much said that Miami is one of the teams trying to, trying to put a bunch of fake stuff past other teams, trying to get this guy to fall. So, I mean, not, not in, in those words, but um, pretty, that, something to that effect, uh, which is classic Mike Tannenbaum, I guess. Uh, number three is uh, we got our first corner, and I got William Jackson the third. And I've been a big fan of, of his for several months now. I remember uh, Ron and I battled this one guy. I think it was like on St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Or we just took on that one that guy who just refused to acknowledge that William Jackson was a first round corner. I mean, I won't name any names, but I think we pretty much just like clobbered that guy. It was it was fun. Yeah. How'd your board work? Because I'm a little I'm a little um I'm a little curious as to you have William Jackson up over Hargreaves? I do. Okay. I say I guess Keith, what he's saying is explain yourself. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um I like him well, more I as a prospect. Okay, well I'm I see I don't I like I said, I'm not a draft expert, so I'm always interested in hearing the uh the commentary. I think that where William Jackson wins out, both guys have very good ball skills. But I think that Jackson bigger, faster and I would say has more upside, whereas I think Hargraves is an outstanding prospect. You know what you're getting with him. Fits uh, multiple schemes. I saw that thing come out today where Vance Joseph wants to use Byron Maxwell in some press. He's not afraid of it, uh, even with like all the stuff that happened in Philadelphia. Vance Joseph is going to stick to his guns on this one. He believes that Byron Maxwell can do that. So, Which, I mean, let's be honest, if that's the case, then that kind of opens the door for Mackenzie Alexander, I figure. And I'm not a big Mackenzie Alexander fan, but there's major upside with that guy. I'm certainly not going to deny that. That dude does some things incredibly well, but uh, definitely not. And he's not on this this board. But, yes, I am, to answer your question, uh, I am more a fan of William Jackson III in terms of overall bang for the buck than I am Vernon Hargraves. But Vernon Hargraves isn't far behind on this list. And you could also say that the the margin between the two pretty thin. So if if Hargraves is on the board too, I would have to think about it because I love Vernon Hargraves. You know, you've seen a lot of rumors come through, blah blah blah. You know that that supposed positive drug test, which turned out to not be the case. But no, because um, they said no one failed the drug test. Any drug test yeah. is a combine. Didn't I read that correctly? Yes, that's yeah. the good job prospects not not using drugs before in the days, weeks, months leading up to the draft or uh, the combine. Uh, Number four, I got Shaq Lawson. Um, Probably my favorite wide nine style pass rusher. And I don't think Miami will take a pass rusher. I'm not even certain Shaq Lawson will be there. All I've read this week is about uh, the fact that one team in the top 12 loves him. And I know it's Chicago. Um, Chicago's been a little bit, and I, I don't think Chicago's afraid of anyone taking Shaq Lawson before them. I mean, it could happen, but um, I don't think they really fear that. So he's number four on my board. Number five is Vernon Hargraves. Um, just just because, um, well, I got to know. So, Lewis, you, you clearly disagree with that. I want to know why. 
you disagree? I dis- you, you mean I disagree with Hargreaves being under William Jackson on your board? Correctamundo. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I understand where you're coming from. You're you're looking at somebody who's a better scheme fit, somebody who would be uh, he's more, he's more upside, less guarantee. Obviously, Vernon Hargreaves is the more polished of the two. So, if you're looking at potential, then yeah, I'd say go for William Jackson. My only thing is that Miami needs guys that they know they can count on right now because if they're I. I'm, the rebuilding process, if I'm looking at rebuilding, I'm also looking at the situation that I don't want to pick guys that may not pan out while I am doing a rebuild. I don't want guys that if they flunk, then three years later I'm still in the rebuilding mode because the guys I picked wound up not working out. That's why I'm still looking around on the inside. I'm looking at what people are saying about Tony Lippett. I'm looking at what people are saying about Jay Ajayi. I'm looking at guys that – are still developing now within the organization. And those are the guys who are technically the potential picks right now. We already have a bunch of guys who we're counting on as potential. How many guys do we have right now that we can definitively say we can count on them? We have Rashad and Dominic Sue, and now that's about it. Because even Cam Wake, we don't know for sure if he's going to show up or not because his Achilles injury. And Ryan Tannehill has always been a big question mark. We don't have Lamar Miller, so we don't know what he's going to do. Jay Ajayi is a question mark. The Landry, I guess Landry's the other guaranteed guy. If I'm Miami, I'm looking at guys who I can count on for the the rookie year and the years moving forward. I get the upside part. I don't disagree with that. So you're just looking at things from a different perspective than I am. But if I'm looking, if if you're asking me then I'm looking at guys that I can count on and I know will be good, not guys that they might be good if we don't screw this up. Now, I don't know if that rhetoric really applies to Jackson, though. I think Jackson, Jackson's not an insanely raw prospect. Mackenzie Alexander is. I would get that more if we were talking about Mackenzie Alexander, but William Jackson is a good – I mean, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the country, overlooked a little bit. I think playing for Houston kind of knocks him down the, the ladder a couple of rungs, but – I mean, he's a really good prospect. I mean, and a lot of those skills that people are supposedly projecting, I mean, you already see in his game. I think the big knock on him right now is the lack of physicality in terms of of being a tackler, whereas Vernon, Gra- Vernon Hargraves is an outstanding tackler. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get to the second half of this list pretty quick. We're going to take a, take a 20-second break for uh, a commercial. And then uh, I, we got people on the phones. I think that they might be our guests for uh, for the evening. So um, stay uh, stay put. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to SB Nation's The Finsider Radio Podcast. All right. We've got guests. So um, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll bring on um, – uh, we had a Alex Shane from uh, Pat's Pulpit. He visited us. I think it was um, last month. Came on the show. Did a great job. We had a lot of fun. Welcome back to the show, Alec. What's going on? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me back. Anyway, glad to have you. And we uh, actually got another visitor, and we've got him from the Jets blog. What's going on? Good evening, guys. How are you? Good. Can you uh, go, go ahead and uh, I don't have your full name just because of the whole list that came in was pretty much piecemeal. So if you could identify yourself. 
I'm John. I go by the handle John B on Gangrene Nation. Oh, John B. The John B on is on <laughs> Insider Radio. I definitely know who you are. It's 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 been a while, so I almost feel like now I feel disrespectful for not recognizing you right off the bat. Now I feel like a jerk. Um, all right, so. Uh, big draft plans tomorrow night. I mean, we're inside of 24 hours now. We'll start with the Jets, and I mean, no disrespect, but only because they have a first-round pick. Uh, Understood. Yeah, um, we're trying to go ahead. Uh, we're all friends here. Uh, so, John, what do you think the Jets do with their selection tomorrow night? I mean, we've seen them le- talking about the pass rushers, uh, the. Um, the un- unknown regarding what's going to happen with Muhammad Wilkerson. So where are you leaning toward with this selection? My guess, and, you know, it could change depending on, you know, the way things go tomorrow night. You know, last year, Jets had a very strong defensive line. They had a lot of good young players, and Leonard Williams happened to fall to them. A lot of people thought Leonard Williams was the best player in the draft, so they ended up taking him. So you can never, you know, you never know for sure. My guess, though, is that if all things are equal, they will probably either go with an offensive lineman or they will go with one of the edge rushers. Those are the two real areas of need for this team. Um, you know, an offensive line, obviously, DeBrickashaw Ferguson retired. Even if he came back, his play has really declined in recent years. I think you could even say he's a be- he was a below-average left tackle at that point, uh, you know, by the end of last year. Um, they made a trade with Denver for Ryan Clady, you know, who could, you know, Clady's got a good reputation, but he also has been banged up a lot in recent years. There are some questions about, you know, how much the injuries will rob him of his athleticism. And right now the entire right side of the line needs to be replaced. Preno Giacomini was a uh, free agent they signed from Seattle two years ago who really hasn't panned out. At this point, the right starting right guard probably would be Brian Winters, who was a third-round pick in 2013. Again, he's it's been, it's been a mostly downs for him, only a handful of ups. So Jets, Jets are a team that really needs an infusion of young talent on the offensive line. And and also edge rusher. I mean, I think this, this team has really, this team really lacked a, a high-end edge rusher since they traded John Abraham, and that was 10 years ago. So my guess, my guess is that it would be one of those two spots. Difficult to say, you know, but, you know, who knows? Who knows the way the board falls? Yeah, you're not the first guy to bring up uh, John Abraham being the last really good um... – pass rusher for the New York Jets. So, I, and I agree. That would seem to be like the one bugaboo with the, the Rex era is that, I mean, the best pass rusher he was able to get in there was Calvin Pace. And I mean, Calvin Pace is a good yeah, player. You know, but. Yeah. And you know, the incredible, the incredible thing is that, you know, you think of Rex Ryan, you know, you think of all these exotic blitzes, you know, Rex Ryan, the guy who focuses on the pass rush, they did not take a single edge rusher in his first, you know, he was there six years, the first five drafts, they did not take a single edge rusher. And then they, you know, the only the only two edge rushers they took were his last year. They took one in the sixth round, um, Ik, who you know was best known for his altercation with Geno Smith. And then they took another <laughs> guy, Trevor Riley, in the seventh round. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, you think of Rush, Rex Ryan as this guy who emphasizes the pass rush. Yeah, he never took a pass rusher before round six with the Jets. Yeah, and I, I suspect that our um, our GM kind of screwed that up for you. I want to apologize for that. Um, so when I think of Brian Winters is the one with the T-Rex arms, right? He's got real short arms. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Okay. And then Giacomini, probably like the biggest eyebrows in the business. He might. You know, I haven't really studied eyebrows that much, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well played. And true. Uh, so um, who would you take? I mean, I mean, you've talked about guys that, I mean, you suspect, but I mean, if you were the one controlling this pick, where would you go with it? Um, I like the the uh, tackle Conklin out of Michigan State. I'm not sure whether he's going to fall that far. You know, I think he's getting a lot of you know. There seems to be there seems to be a lot of buzz from what I understand that he's probably going to go earlier. Um, you know, Taylor Decker from Ohio State might be in the mix. I think you know I'm not convinced he's worth the 20th pick because mm-hmm. I think there's some questions about his athleticism, whether he actually can be a left tackle. You know, do you want to take a right tackle in the first round? Yeah, I, I think you know. Any, now, any tackle I take this year will probably play right tackle as a rookie. But you know, Ryan Clady right now is really kind of a one-year stopgap. It seeds. It's going to be difficult. You know, it might be difficult to justify bringing him back at his current cap number in 2017. So I think you know, if you take a tackle, you're you're putting him on the right side as a rookie. But you're probably, you probably there's a good chance you're going to want to move him over to the left side in the second year. Conklin would be, you know, the guy, the guy I probably have my eyes on most, the guy maybe with the most potential to slip. Um, I'll go, even though I mentioned Reg Rushers and offensive linemen as my two areas of priority. One guy I might keep my eye on is uh, the linebacker from Ohio State, Darren Lee. Uh, the Jets are Jets have an old linebacking core. They have David Harris, who has been the you know for the stalwart since 2007, but. He's at a point where you're not sure whether, you know, he's kind of at an age where decline seems plausible. The guy playing next to him is Aaron Henderson, who kind of uh, resurrected his career as a depth player with the Jets last year. He had some personal demons. He actually sat out 2014, signed as a backup, kind of came on near the end of the year. But he's going to turn 30 this year also. So the Jets could use a young linebacker, a guy who's quick, uh, you know, a guy who can cover a little bit. You know, certainly in the division with New England, you want you want linebackers who can uh, hold up in coverage. So that might be a guy I keep my eyes on. Yeah, he's excellent. I'm a huge fan of Conklin, and I really like Decker too. And I wouldn't have said this prior to the combine, but Taylor Decker and his athleticism in Indianapolis really surprised me. So I think he's at least going to get a look at left tackle at some point. I think he at least has the athleticism to warrant some sort of consideration there. Whereas when he was playing at Ohio state, I looked at him, I'm like, well, he's probably going to end up being a right tackle at the next level. Just like a lot of the tackles at Ohio state, um, Alex Boone was one of them becomes a, a guard, a six, eight guard and surprisingly does well at that position, despite that insane height. So I like all the guys. And um, we'll move it over to, to Alec. Um, what, what do you think are in the, the Pats draft plans this weekend, where, where do you think they're going to look? And do you have any specific players that you'd like to target? Yeah. And that's funny with the Patriots, you really never have any idea what's going on with Bill Belichick at any point as inexact a science as the draft is in the NFL. I think it's doubly so with the Patriots, uh, especially this year with no first round pick. They have 11 picks total. They don't pick until pick 60. They have no fourth rounders, no first, no fifth rounders five, six rounders, you know they're going to be bouncing around a lot. Belichick's already famous enough for, for moving up and down the draft board at, at, at a win, but he's not going to wait 100 picks between 96 and 196. So totally going to be off here, but that's why we do this, right? That's why they're called mock drafts. Uh, it's right. funny, too, because basically before, 
before this past like week or so, I would have said their areas of priority are cornerback depth and linebacker depth. Those are the two areas that I want to target uh, immediately in the draft in the second round or so. But in the past week, we, we had the Tom Brady suspension reinstated. We have Chandler Jones trade. We have Dominic Easley uh, released. We have Chris Jones released. There's Manley Kitchen released. So I think now their, their draft priorities have shifted significantly from uh, linebacker depth to defensive linemen. I think that's a, an area where they need to get some, some bodies back in there because a, a strength went from a potential weakness. They're basically one injury away <clears throat> excuse me, from having very thin defensive lines. So I see them going a defensive lineman, and, and they're going to go cornerback because they always go cornerback is what they do. Defensive round, defensive uh, back in the second round is kind of their MO now. And so they'll definitely probably go cornerback or a safety in the second round and, or a, a defensive end in the second round. Uh, of those guys, uh, I'm, I, I have, I think I was on here with you guys last time talking about Xavion Howard at a Baylor. Uh, I still like him a lot. Not sure he'll be around late in the second round, so he may have been uh, off the board at that point, but I, I like him a lot. Um, I like Cyrus Jones. He's a, he's a third or fourth round pick. They can get him out of Alabama on the, on the defensive side. And for the defensive linemen, I don't know. This is very hard draft to predict. I feel like defensive linemen, you've got your, your, your top-tier guys. The guys are going to go pretty early on. But after, you know, after the Joey Bosa's and the Forrest Buckner's and the Shaq Lawson's, I think there's kind of a drop-off in terms of, of guaranteed talent. And the guy you can get at pick 15 or so isn't that much superior to the guy you can get at pick 30 or 40 or so. And so it's really hard to gauge what the run's going to be on defensive end with the, the, or defensive tackle, what the run's going to be on defensive linemen. And so based on that, um, it'll really be basically depend on, on who's really available. But of the guys, I do, I do like Carl Nassib out of Penn State, big dude, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, they can probably get him on a, on a day two pick. Uh, I do like Emmanuel Ogba, but I think he's going to go way before the Patriots can, can get to him. Uh, I like Jonathan Bullard. The only problem with Jonathan Bullard is he's a Florida guy. In the past, several Patriots that have come out of Florida have either murdered somebody, been cut, or just haven't really worked out. So I may be a little wary of Florida picks. Uh, but I do see him going defense in, in the first two rounds. I, I thought you were just going to say that they were draft busts. I didn't think you were going to take that to the extra step and mention the, the Hernandez stuff. But I, I applaud well, you for doing that. Hernandez killed the guy. You really can't, you can't run away from that. <laughs> I might be plural on that one, by the way. Yeah, uh, probably did. <laughs> you know, we don't know that he stopped at one. So Amen. Uh, the guys you mentioned, a uh, huge fan, Xavier Howard, I think is a really underrated corner out of uh, Baylor, you know, like a bigger guy. Um, big fan of what he was able to do. And yeah, I, I remember at one time when people considered him like a second or third round prospect. And I was like, I wish, because I can see him going, yeah. you know, early day two, which would be unfortunate. Um, well, unfortunate for our teams. Um, and then you mentioned, mentioned uh, Emmanuel Ogba, and I'm a big fan of that guy, too. I think he's scheme versatile. I don't think he, he has to fit into any certain role. I think that um, – and his weight fluctuated a little bit, so you might have some some uh, leeway there in terms of how you want to go ahead and use him because I know the Pats traditionally have been a team that likes to flip between a 3-4 and a 4-3 front. Yeah, and that's a good question because, honestly, I don't know what their base defense is going to be in 2016. Based on the roster right now with the linebacking core versus the defensive line core, I think 3-4 uh, is where they'll lean. But, yeah, they, they really value versatility. They really value guys that can play inside and outside, that can crash, that can stun, that can drop back in the linebacker in a pinch. Uh, and Ogba has all that. 
But, again, I think he, he might be a late round one, early round two guy. So they might have to jump up to get him, and they might have the draft capital to do that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I want to go back to John B. for a second. Um, so do you think there was ever really a chance of the Jets trading up to that number three pick? I mean, we saw rumors. Is that just total BS, or do you think there was some truth to that? Um, I, I would imagine that they called, you know, a courtesy call. I tend to doubt that they would have had the ammo to move up from 20 because, I mean, you think about well, all, all that the Rams gave up just to, you know, to move up, and the Jets were picking even further back. So I, I would imagine there were some, some informal discussions, but I doubt it ever got to the point where it was serious. I just think the Jets were picking too far back for that. What's up with the team's uh, quarterback situation? Do you think that'll affect the draft in any way? Um, I don't. Uh, here's why: is you know, I think Goff and Wentz are probably going to be the top two guys off the board. So, mm-hmm. if the Jets go quarterback in the first round, you know, the smart money is probably probably would be on Paxton Lynch. If you're taking Paxton Lynch now, he maybe he's okay. Maybe he's ready to start on day one. But I don't think you can bank on that. He, you know, he there. He's kind of a project, so you know you hope for the best. But I don't think you're drafting him with the expectation that he's going to be your week one starter. I think you're more hoping that. And, um, you know, on the other side, what's happening with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick had a career year last year. So, you know, he's looking at some of these ridiculous contracts that some of the quarterbacks across the league are getting, and he, he's saying, well, you know, pay me. I'm better than, I'm better than a lot of these guys. And what the Jets are, you know, the Jets are seeing, you know, this guy's on the wrong side of 30. Last year was kind of an outlier in his career. Uh, and they're saying, you know, you know, you're not a long-term answer. You're more of a stopgap. They are, you know, they're not they're not willing to pay Fitzpatrick, you know, the kind of money Sam Bradford got with the Eagles. And they're also saying, you know, nobody else, no other team in the league out there is willing to pay you what you want. Fitzpatrick's been sitting out there. There's been minimal interest. At the end of the day, I tend to think something's going to get done. I think the two sides will meet in the middle. But, you know, even if you bring Fitzpatrick back, you still need a long-term solution at quarterback. Fitzpatrick's kind of a bridge guy. He's, he can give you one or two years. He can buy If you take a guy like guy like a, a Lynch, he can buy you a year or two, then kind of transition into a backup role. So I view these as two kind of separate things. I think no matter what, the Jets are going to bring in a veteran quarterback, whether that's Fitzpatrick or whether it's somebody like Brian Hoyer, you know, somebody along those lines. I think they're going to look for a long-term answer in the draft this year, whether there's this, whether there's actually a spot where the, where the players available meet the value. That's another question. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think these are two separate issues. I would love to see Fitzpatrick and Paxton Lynch together just because technically you would have the best uh, quarterback platoon with facial hair because Fitzpatrick's got that, you know, that – down and out Matt Damon thing going on and Paxton Lynch kind of looks like a pirate. So <laughs> I'd be all for that. Uh, you guys want to take a, I got one call coming in. Uh, you, you guys cool if we take a call? Sure. Cool. Sure. Just want to make sure. Let's go to Iowa. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. What's going on? Um, just, I was just listening to your stuff. I've been listening to a lot of mock drafts lately. Oh, that's indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing, have you guys been doing like fan speak and stuff like that? 
I haven't done it within the past month. For a while there, I was, I was tinkering with it every night. And then it got to the point where uh, some of it was just so improbable that yeah. I just, I don't know. I couldn't do that to myself. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the same with me. Um, I did one, well, just today, though, and I thought it was a pretty good one, where we go corner, then running back, and then corner again in the third. Because I thought, okay, so would you say Ajayi is a speed or a power back, or do you think he's kind of both? Uh, definitely more the speed end. Although, I mean, he's not a burner, but he's definitely not a power back. Yeah, I agree. So I was thinking, do you think like Henry in the second would be a good pick? Because then at that point, it would. I mean, a lot of teams do, you know, two running backs anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. I would love so Derrick Henry in the thinking. second round. I one, one suspicion I have, everyone's talking about the Chicago Bears taking Ezekiel Elliott. I think they'll actually mm-hmm. take Derrick, Derrick Henry in a day, on yeah. day two, not at 11 overall, just to clarify that to anyone who's listening to this and just gag. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and then what what corner are you you thinking in the first round? Uh, we were just talking about this. I am a big fan of William Jackson the third. I think he absolutely mm-hmm. fits what Vance Joseph wants to do out on the perimeter. He's a bigger corner, uh, great ball mm-hmm. skills. Um, fits uh, the fact that Vance is going to want to mix in some press man with that zone coverage. He can do that. Uh, we were also talking about if Vernon Hargraves is there. Obviously not mm-hmm. a big corner but a well-rounded guy can play any scheme. Great, you know, very good tackler. Uh, so mm-hmm. something to consider too. So mm-hmm. th- those guys are in there. Um, I've tried really hard to like Eli Apple as like the number 13, as someone for the number 13 pick. I just can't get yeah. there. If, if we trade it down though, I'd consider it because I think there are some skills that he brings. I like him as a tackler. Uh, I think that there is a lot to work with in terms of coverage, but I'm not as big a fan of Eli Apple as some people. I would still draft him. I just wouldn't want to take him in 13. Yeah, I, I agree. What's uh, Okay, just one more question then. Sure, sure. Um, what what do you think is a bigger need, uh, the guard or the linebacker spot? Oh, it's got to be linebacker, although guard is uh, only because of what we've added. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I I think that – um, I think you can get by with Jermon Bushrod right right now. I think he's still a good player. Uh, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if he's able to make that conversion. But I would like to. It would be ideal to bring in both, obviously. But, yeah. Um, I like this guard class a lot more than I like this linebacker class. So I mean, that kind of shows that which one I'd I'd prefer to take right off yeah, the bat. So, I'd like to get the linebacker. So uh, Miles Jack in the first would be good. Uh, I'm not going to say no to that. So, <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, thanks for letting me call in. I don't know if it's a call some other time. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye. You too. Take care. All right, thanks, guys, uh, for your patience there. Um, I wanted to, He was on, on hold for a while. I wanted to get him through, um, trying to get better no at that, especially because I don't have a producer with me at this point. Um, and I'm trying to sound fancy by saying producer when it's, you know, we have a guy working <laughs> the phone. So we try to sound cooler than we are on this show. Hey, what you gotta do? Yeah, exactly. So I'll ask both of you guys this, because um, we, we mentioned, uh, well, actually, we'll start off. The big wild card now in that top 10 is Cleveland. Where do you think Cleveland goes with that pick? Because they can ruin it for a lot of teams behind them. 
Yeah, that's tough because you know Cleveland kind of needs everybody. Um, a team. I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I really can't pick a, a position and say Cleveland is is really weak here. Um, and Cleveland has also a pretty sorted history of of drafting guys they maybe shouldn't have drafted or going out of order. So <laughs> I don't know. That, that's a that's a tough one. And honestly, you know, it's funny you you just made a point about how you don't see. The Bears taking Derrick Henry at eleven. Uh, I agree, but I can see the I can see the Browns taking Derrick Henry, hundred um, um, percent. Get like a Robert Griffin, Derrick Henry kind of sexy, put some more butts in the seats kind of thing. Um, I can see that happening hundred percent. I think Derrick yeah, Henry could I mean, eat Robert I Griffin. I, I think it's just you know it's not just that the Browns need everything. It's just that is one of the most erratic franchises when it comes to decision making. That it's, it's, they're impossible to pick. It's I used, to have an, I used to have an expression back in, you know, the last days of Al Davis that the most exciting phrase in the English language was the Oakland Raiders are on the clock because you never <laughs> knew what was going to happen. And uh, I kind of feel like it was Cleveland. It's like, you know, they, they uh, you know, they're, they're changing coaches every two years. They're, you know, bringing in a new coach and they're firing their GM after they hire the new guy. And then they're, they're making you know, more wholesale changes. Now, you know, they're, promoting this guy who was a lawyer to be their GM and they're bringing in a baseball guy. So, I mean, it beats the heck out of me what they're going to do. I think if they were smart, I think a smart pick for the Cleveland Browns is, um, is Miles Jack out of UCLA. I think he's kind of a team captain outside linebacker. I know he's injured right now, um, but uh, I think he's the kind of guy you can build a defense around, but that means they definitely won't pick him. That's what I would do if I was them. Man, I, uh, I actually work with a couple of Browns fans. And I mean, they're so excited about this and I'm kind of like half pulling for them just because I, I worry about their, their well-being. But on the other hand, I'm like, just do something Brown. <laughs> the funny thing about Al Davis being on the clock is all the terrible picks that guy made. And the, the irony in that is in 2009, he takes Darius Hayward Bay, Darius Hayward bust. And that guy's one of the, the better players from that top 15, which is sick. That's crazy. So, so you, guys you guys aren't. I'm sorry. You guys aren't Mark Sanchez fans, then. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't actually. I didn't even think about that. Uh, that I guess that was a little bit of a slight. I apologize for that. But I, I remember uh, when when the Jets traded up to number five overall. That place turned into a rock concert. I mean, it was the only thing missing was like some pyrotechnics going off or the pick being announced by kiss or something. It was ridiculous. I remember thinking like, this is going to be, you know, they, they got their guy. And I mean, like Mark Sanchez looked good at USC. It just so happened that he played at USC, which typically doesn't have the best. Uh, isn't Carson Palmer, the winningest USC quarterback in the, in the NFL, I think something yeah. ridiculous like that. So I don't know, but yeah, that actually wasn't a, a backhanded uh um, comment I was making there, but yeah, now that I think about it, um, I'm not used to having uh, Jets and um, Pats fans uh, on the air with us. Ron, is there uh, anything you want to ask our friends? I just want to say to John that it just it's really cracking me up watching the Jets um, fans, and I just say more fans because I don't really read a lot of the Jets stuff, just totally dismiss their quarterback situation. Like, it's just oh, it's going to work out. I mean, you guys are looking at what, Bryce Petty or something? If you don't really trade for Bradford or sign Fitzgerald. It just seems so scary to me. I know it was just, maybe it was just a one-time deal with Fitz, but it just seems like you guys are really playing with fire 
to me, but maybe the organization isn't. Maybe just it's the fans kind of schlubbing it off. So I'm just kind of curious what John thinks about that. Is Bradford a legitimate uh, thing? Like, is that something that has come up? No, I realize no, I that just, he wants out of I Philly. Just threw, but... I only threw it out there because I'm trying to think of possible fits for a team that was 10-6, and six, pretty good defense, looked like an up-and-coming coach, some talent on offense. Uh, it's it just like, what are you going to do if you don't sign Fitz? I mean, what, where do you go unless you draft Lynch and hope that he can play week one? I just, it just seems like it's so risky to not just pay this guy some money and then maybe draft your guy and just feel so much better about the most important position. I feel like it's being so just dismissed by, by Jets fandom. And I, I think it's insane to me, but maybe it'll work out. I, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that there are large portions of the fan base that maybe are a little too cavalier, you know, to kind of take what Fitzpatrick did last year for granted. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, they, they, they like the job Chan Gailey, the offensive coordinator, did. So their thought is, well, Fitzpatrick was this mediocre guy. Look what he did with Gailey. But Fitzpatrick has some skills that fit very well within Gailey's system. So it, I think, you know, it, it's a tough spot for the Jets because you look at Fitzpatrick's career history. What happened the last time he had a good year? He got a big extension from the Bills, and he kind of fell apart. So he's not really a guy you want to commit to. It's kind of dangerous to, to put yourself in a spot where you're committing to him more than a year or so. But at the same time, it's really kind of tough to say where the Jets go. I mean, there just really aren't – any good quarterback in this league doesn't become available for a reason because their their team locks them up. Um, right now, it's I think, I think right now one of the things the Jets are saying is – there hasn't really been a big market for Fitzpatrick outside New York. Um, so it's, it's really kind of a high-stake game, game of chicken. If Fitzpatrick doesn't resign, I, I, all I can say is I'm, I'm very concerned. I'd be very concerned. It, it, it's a game of chicken, too, that you're playing with John Elway. I mean, in my opinion, because there's another team out there that I don't think they're going to rely on Sanchez. And they won the Super Bowl with their defense. And he could, he could pull, Fitz could pull an Osweiler and says, well, if you're not going to sign me, then I'm just going to go play for Denver even for less money because apparently I'm not wanted here. I mean, he could pull something like that. And it just, it just seems dangerous to me when you talk about the best position, the number one most important position on a team. I, I, and like you said, well, all good quarterbacks, they get signed up, teams sign them up. Well, teams except for the Jets apparently, because they're not signing Fitz. I just, I mean, I hope they don't. Personally, I'm a Dolphins fan. Don't sign him. Ride with Bryce Petty. Go for it. But it just seems crazy. I agree with you. It's dangerous, but I think it's also dangerous if you give him too much money. Because again, the other—I mean, he, he was—he had a great year last year. But this is a guy who's been a—he's been a journeyman. He's been kind of been kind of mediocre. You know, he's—he's he's a guy with a, with a mediocre track record with one great year on the wrong side of 30. You know, sometimes those guys regress, so it's kind of a balancing act. I think, yeah, I think the Jets are kind of, uh, Jets going to have to find the right balance. As a Dolphins fans, we're completely unaware of the danger in paying players too much money, so I have no idea what you're talking about there. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this whole it, this whole thing is interesting for me in that Ron mentioned John Elway being there and the whole chicken thing. I think I would pull for the jets over John Elway because I really can't stand that guy. So, I mean, there you go. There's a little bit of a, uh, in conference goodwill just because, um, 
I thought, I mean, I didn't agree with Houston giving Brock Osweiler the pretty much the, the King's ransom keys to the kingdom, whatever. But the way that Denver just kind of walked away and they're like, yeah, we don't need a quarterback. I thought, well, now I hope you get burned on that. So just uh, some food for thought. So we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll wrap up uh, this segment. Um, I'll, it's a little bit more difficult for Alec because I'm going to ask him to project a second round pick, which I'm not going to lie. sounds kind of freaking impossible, but I will do so. Alec, who do you think the, the Patriots take Friday night? All right. Um, I think, honestly, there's a very slim, very slim chance that Derrick Henry is available at the end of the second round. If things fall right and people are picking over, I, I, I don't think it's likely, but there's a slim chance. And if he's there, I think the Patriots take him. I think he'd be a good fit in the Patriots offense, especially if Tom Brady's suspension carries forward this year. He'll be good at running back in those, those first four games. However, I'm not banking on that. I'm banking on Belichick's history. I'm banking on the players he has gone for, the guys he enjoys. So my second-round pick for the Patriots is going to be at 61 overall. They're going to trade 60 away, pick 61 overall, and they're going to take Maryland defensive back Sean Davis. Uh, he's a DB slash safety hybrid. He's better at safety, but he's athletic. He can play cornerback in the NFL. They need depth, they need guys in the position, and Belichick loves versatility, and he's like a good team character captain guy. And Sean Davis is, I think, the ideal Patriot, and the Patriots need a cornerback anyway, so that's my guy. I will put my head in the oven if you guys get Derrick Henry. Yeah, um, again, I think it's a very, very slim outside chance. I think, honestly, pre-combine, it was a little much more likely, but I think he played himself into the first round uh, during his combine performance. But I don't know. I see guys sitting him going as late as three. Um, I highly doubt it, but I'm not completely – I don't think it's ridiculous to say there's a chance he's around second round. But I would never put, put money on it. That's why I'm going with Sean Davis. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything you said there. And, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is New England has a a knack for – I mean, oftentimes player, good players fall to them. Malcolm Brown's a great example of that. Malcolm Brown yeah. should have been a top 15 pick last year. You know, awesome player at Texas, then just falls to the last pick of the first round. I saw that happen. I almost vomited at the draft party <laughs> I was at. I was, like, I was like, come on. Seriously, someone else couldn't take that guy? So, um all right, uh, John. Uh, what do you think? I mean, the player who who are the Jets taking tomorrow night? Optimist and say you know the first guy I mentioned. We'll say Conklin falls to them and they uh, help fortify their offensive line. I would also put my head in the oven. So I mean, like now I'm kind of now I'm kind of feeling the danger here because I would no, be. No, hard- no. Go ahead. I was just saying, no, but now I'm conflicted because I don't want you to do that, but I want the Jets to get Conklin. So. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, you're watching the draft and it happens. You're like, yes, that that SB Nation host is going to kill himself now. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, though, uh, Jack Conklin's an awesome player. I don't really understand some of the flack he's getting. He's not a perfect prospect. There's a lot to be cleaned up in his game. But I don't know. Actually, John, I forgot to ask you this earlier. I'll ask you now. When you first mentioned Conklin, does he not in a couple of ways remind you of DeBrickashaw Ferguson? Um, yeah, I, I think I think he does. I, 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 I hadn't really thought of that. Uh, but I can see that a little bit. The um, the skill set kind of tipped me off a little bit when I first was watching him at Michigan State. But when he came in with the 35-inch arms, I think Ferguson had 35-and-a-half-inch arms. When he came in with those tree branches at the combine, I was like, oh, my God, he is Ricochet Ferguson. So, yeah, I think that the team that I've seen a, uh, one of my – 
one of the guys that I follow pretty closely on Twitter. I think he's a, I used to work with him. He's a good mind when it comes to the draft, but he, he brought up the fact that he laughed at the team that drafted Jack Conklin. And I was like, well, I'll laugh at you for laughing at them because I think Jack Conklin's going to end up being pretty good. It's not guaranteed. It's going to be on the left side. I do think he is a left tackle, but I think, uh, worst case scenario, you're just getting a, a tough ass football player. I mean, and the thing is that guy's mean and Taylor Decker too. I think that's something that's kind of lost with, um, I don't, I mean, Tunsil, Tunsil can play through the whistle like that. I think he's got, I mean, there's that tenacity in him. I think Ronnie Stanley, people claim they saw the, the mean streak in him. I think that he can play a little bit nasty, but I don't think it's really in his nature. I think guys like Conklin and Decker are just badasses. So I think that if you're bringing those guys on, as, and it, it, that would work for Miami, especially because Miami's offensive line for the longest time has been soft. You know, and I hate to use this comparison. Jonathan Martin. Jonathan yeah. Martin. That's all I got to yeah, say. That's, that sums they, up the kind of guys, until we had Incognito, that sums up the kind of guys that we've had on this team a lot of times. And I tried so hard to talk myself into Jonathan Martin. I remember when people were projecting him as like a top three pick. And I watched him at Stanford, and I was like, really? This guy kind of sucks. I don't really see this. And then the Dolphins draft him. I'm like, well, maybe they're seeing something that I don't. No, it just turned out that our front office sucked. So, um, and the guy played like a mama's boy, you know, and then you had that whole thing come through. So now you're really looking. That's, I think that's really what fueled uh, my interest in guys like Conklin and Decker is that I think you can almost see like a culture shift with those guys joining the, the offensive line because they don't play nice. Those guys are ruthless on the offensive line playing tackle. So I'm all about it. And I mean, if you get Conklin to New York, I mean, I, I'll be crushed, but at the same time, I mean, you're getting a great football player. I think um, he's number six on my big board, even though he's my favorite overall. I mean, he's the guy I like the most in the draft, but the, I mean, there were players that if they were on the board too, I mean, I would have to consider ahead of him, but so um, yeah, I think that that's great. I mean, I love it. And um we had a lot of uh, like-mindedness with the, the prospects we like. So I want to thank uh, uh, both of you for coming on the show, Alex Shane, Pat's Pulpit, John B., uh, Gang Green Nation. Um, hopefully we can have you guys on soon. Maybe we can do a sort of like post-draft show next week and come on and talk about how you feel about what your team did during the weekend, if you like it, if you don't, how you see those players fitting, um, fitting in with your team going forward. I don't know if that's something that interests you guys, but I'd love to have you back on. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. All right, great. All right, we'll talk to both of you guys soon. Thanks for uh, hopping on and uh, talking with us for a little bit. Thank you, John. Take care. All right, take care. Good night. night. See you, Keith. See ya. Those guys are really nice. I mean, it's always cool when you're able to to talk with, um, you know, fans of rival teams, even the Patriots, because I don't know many Patriots fans around this area. But, I mean, when you're able to to get along with those guys and, and, and chat and whatnot um, and have a good time, have great conversations, uh, that's fun. Uh, speaking of uh, guys I get along with, even though he's a fan of a team I hate, Kyle Smith, what's going on? Hello, are you there? Oh, boy, I'm still not hearing from him. So I think what we'll do is we might just have him call in if possible. Um, while we're going ahead and waiting for him, let's go ahead. We'll take our uh, second commercial break. I think this is the last one for the night. Lucky you people. So 
Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to SB Nation's Finsider Radio Podcast. Okay, and we're back. It's a little weird uh, doing the the little ad parts now. I'm still not used to that. What we're going to do is as soon as uh, Kyle calls in, I think I'm going to make him part of our mock draft. That way we can make it a, an even four, and then we can go through this. Uh, I'm not sure if this is him. Uh, yes, call or reveal yourself. This is indeed Kyle Smith. Yeah, the mic. Your microphone just hates our show, I think. For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know why. You know, it actually, it wasn't connected at first, and then it told me it connected, but then it, my speaker started playing through the computer instead of my headphones. So whatever reason, I don't know, blog talk radio, my microphone, don't see eye to eye. Anyway, you how are you guys con- doing this evening? Oh, you know, we're doing okay. We just talked to uh, a couple of guys from SB Nation. We talked to Alec with Pat's Pulpit. We talked to John B. with uh, Gang Green Nation, which is funny because I remember uh, back, Probably 2009, 2010, uh, the Finsider, a bunch of site members used to go over to Gang Green Nation. We would just have these enormous trash talking sessions, and they were brutal sometimes. But so it's so cool to to talk to a guy like John B. And you know, we had this this great discussion, and everything. So I feel better about humanity now, actually. Um, so. What I'm going to do is I'm gonna, first I'm going to ask you what I asked them about the draft tomorrow night, and then we're going to do um, a little mock draft on the air until Matthew Kanata calls in in 15 minutes. Is that cool? You want to do that? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to have to um, kind of hurry through a few things. Okay, so who's the player New York takes tomorrow night? If you had to put money on it, and good money, not like a dollar. Um. Well, I want Paxton Lynch. I don't think it'll be him. If I have to put money on it, I'm going to say, oh, my gosh, so hard. I'll, I'll say Josh Dobson. For some reason, I'm saying Josh Dobson. That's that's what – it's just the, the pick that's coming to my mind right now. We've been hearing buzz for quite some time from a couple different sources that the Jets are interested in a wide receiver. I cannot believe that they're interested in Will Fuller, who is a worse Devin Smith we just drafted Devin Smith last year, and Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have a ball, uh, you know, an arm to really stretch the ball downfield. I can't believe it's going to be him or Corey Coleman, for that matter. And um, could it be Laquan Treadwell? Maybe, but I, I personally like Doxton better for this offense. Okay. That's that's intriguing. I've seen that from a couple of people, so it's cool to, to hear that from the horse's mouth in terms of a, a Jets fan in the know. So um, we'll go ahead and we'll actually put that to the test now. We're going to do our – our little mock draft here. We'll just speed it along. Hopefully you guys have a list of prospects in front of you. If not, just try to improvise. Um, we'll give Ron the first pick since I promised him the Miami pick. We'll give Lewis number two. I will go number three. Kyle, you will go number four. Sound good? Oh, I got Jerry's boys. All right. Yeah, there you go. Try not to try not to screw him over too bad, however tempting <laughs> it, it may be. All right, Ron, you're on the clock. What are you going to do? Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm going Jared Goff for the Rams. It's interesting because I remember we had these conversations about how we thought that guy was going to fall. You know, could he fall far, far enough where we could try to turn it into some sort of trade up situation or we could trade down for with a, a team looking to get him. Um, that, that big deal two weeks ago pretty much spoiled everything, but whatever. Lewis, you are the Philadelphia Eagles. What are you doing? Uh, 
Let me see the Eagles. Okay, they yeah. got the they got the they got the they traded up for the first pick, right? Correct. All right, so easy pick is probably going to be Carson Wentz, quarterback out of um, I think it's Notre Dame. So no, it's not Notre Dame. I'm sorry. It's um, North Dakota State. North Dakota. That's right. Yeah, um, ND State. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So sorry, I didn't. I don't know the colleges that well. <clears throat> anyway. Um, obviously the Eagles are, they, they wouldn't have done all that trading up if they weren't looking for a quarterback. And the fact that Sam Bradford is all uppity about wanting to take off and, uh, not compete for his starting job. That tells me that they're looking for a quarterback and they're obviously looking for the, uh, the biggest name that they can get. Carson Wentz is the one with the most upside. He's the, he's not the one who's most NFL ready. I believe the general consensus on that is that that's Jared Goff, but Carson Wentz would probably be the, uh, the, the most upside choice at quarterback and Philly is obviously looking for a quarterback since neither Nick Foles nor Sam Bradford were able to do anything particularly special at least not on a long-term basis yes I'm referring to the one season where Nick Foles did stuff that was awesome and then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth all over again so Carson Wentz is my pick for Philly and I don't mean to presume but I have a good idea of what the next pick might be too oh you think but you don't because I'm going with Laramie Tunsil the offensive tackle oh. at Ole Miss. Okay. Damn. That's what happens when you assume. No, I just I think that uh, I think really the the reason I made this selection I think that Jalen Ramsey is an incredible player. I think that he could very much be the player at that spot. I just think that if you're you're placing uh, sort of weight value on position, I think Laramie Tunsil wins every time, and it's. I know a lot of people are talking about how he could fall to Baltimore. I so hope that does not happen. Uh, but it'd just be wild because, I mean, we, we're having these conversations about how he was definitely the number one player in the draft. And now all of a sudden it's like, nah, he could fall to six. So it's funny how a couple of drafts just totally uprooted everything. But, yeah, I'm going Laramie Tunsil. So uh, Kyle Smith, uh, Jerry. Jerry is on the board. And Jerry is going to take Jalen Ramsey with the fourth pick. You're going to pair him with Byron. Jones from last year. You got a more athletic secondary. Dallas has struggled in the secondary over recent years. That's one area that they've particularly been weak in on defense. I think with Tony Romo healthy, you got a better offense than you do defense. They add a player like that. He is a top player on several people's boards. Um, I feel like it's a very safe pick. And Ezekiel Elliott might seem like the sexy pick here. You put him behind that ferocious offensive line. Well, Dallas's run game wasn't even bad last year behind that offensive line. You could still win with average running backs, you know, Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden. So we'll pass on Ezekiel. We'll take Jalen Ramsey, the better overall player. All right. Ron, you are the Jaguars. Uh, they're going to take uh, DeForest Buckner and pair him up with Dante Fowler coming back from the injury and just have a nice uh, couple of young guys on their defensive line get that defense going since their offense started to click some. Oh, that would be filthy. Yeah, a lot of people tend to forget that Dante Fowler – and root it's like they get first two round, uh, two first round picks. Uh, Lewis, you are Ozzie Newsom and the Baltimore Ravens. What you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with Joey Bosa. Actually, I think they're gonna need some more. Uh, they're gonna need some more pass rushers soon. Elmas Dumerville and Terrell Suggs are uh, starting to wear down a little bit. Terrell Suggs wound up getting that uh, season-ending injury real quick last season, so I think they're gonna be looking to bolster that pass rush a little bit. Oh my. Okay. Wow, you guys. I have to say that, uh, Ron, you really screwed up the board for me there. Uh, man. 
Um, <laughs> you got me. Uh, okay. So, give me a second here. You know what? I'm going to go against type a little bit here. And I'm going to say that the San Francisco 49ers will select Vernon Hargraves the third. I realize that some people might be like, oh, he could fall to the Dolphins. I was, yeah, if you're talking about San Francisco's uh, perimeter defense, it's not very good. So I think that uh, um, wisdom analysis wins out here. I think Vernon Hargraves is an outstanding corner. And I think he should go in the top 10. I don't know if he will, but I think he will. And I just made that pick. So um, Kyle, you just went from Jerry to now you're Cleveland. Cleveland, right? Oof. They need to get, let's see. They need to get a bunch of high floor players. They can't afford to miss. There's no trades here. You took Tunkel with the third pick. I did. See? All right. We're going to go with Ronnie Stanley here. Pick eight. A great We're selection. losing offensive linemen. We got to replenish that offensive line. Ronnie Stanley. Oh man, and yeah, this uh, looks like the Joe Thomas era is um, on the downswing now, which is strange because that guy was so outstanding for such a long time. Uh, Ron, uh, you're staying in the state of Florida. You are now the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give a new friend to our. Uh, buddy Brent Grimes over there and uh, I don't see this guy I don't see this guy falling into double digits in the draft so I'm going Miles Jack okay new buddy uh, here's a friend okay alright uh, Lewis you are the New York football giants I, um, I keep I keep thinking you've left us. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't leave. I just like I don't know who's still on the board. It's like I I'm trying to keep trying to keep track of who hasn't been picked. Um, Goff, Wentz, Tunsil, Ramsey, Buckner, Bosa, Hargraves, Stanley, Jack. Yeah, I was see. I wasn't gonna pick Stanley, but then I forgot that. Oh yeah, he got picked already. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I know that. I know that. Um, I know that the Giants need offensive line help. So, I mean, I guess I'll go with Jack Conklin. I mean, Eli Manning getting slammed. I'm sure that Eli Manning, he's turning into an old man himself. He's not enjoying getting slammed into the ground, and it's gonna be only a matter of time before his body breaks down. So I'm gonna just go with Jack Conklin and see if they can bolster that offensive line a bit. Brutal. Okay, I am the Chicago Bears, and I am giving them Shaq Lawson because I think that's who they're gonna take. I think he'll work well in Vic Fangio's scheme. Vic Fangio will find ways to get Shaq Lawson to crash down at a 45-degree angle on the on the tackle. Uh, you can move him around a little bit. Uh, not really an orthodox guy that you could use as a 4-3 defensive end. That's fine because Fangio really likes that 3-4 scheme. So, um, Okay, Kyle, you are the uh, New Orleans Saints. All right, so the Saints. Sean Payton, we thought he might end up in Miami, right? Here comes the big curveball of the draft right here. So, Sean Payton wants to get his guy for the future. His team is just committed to him for the long term. 
What's his plan after Drew Brees? That's going to be Paxton Lynch. Let's groom him under Drew Brees. I had that written in before you even said it. I knew you were going to take Paxton Lynch. So that's awesome. Wait, did he take and Paxton I, Lynch over Jared Goff? Jared Goff was yeah. taken with the first pick. Oh, he will, oh, that's right. Sorry. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> although I loved your reaction to that. Um, okay, Ron. <laughs> I, Ron I, would fan, I, I would take Jared Goff all day, but anyway, I love Jared Goff. Sure. So I totally Ron-o. missed who you took for the Bears, Keith. I'm sorry, I Shaq totally Lawson. missed. Oh, okay, yeah, duh. okay, gotcha. All right, I mean, this isn't how I would envision the board possibly working out, but I mean, as much as I've been saying this probably won't be the pick, at the, looking at the board, I mean, it's Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott for Miami here at this point. If you look at what's left, who's been drafted, I, I feel like that would be the pick. I feel that would be the best pick, honestly. Okay, um, one thing I want to do is actually we've got a caller, so I don't want to leave anyone on the line. And it's from northern New Jersey. Huh, I wonder who this could be. Hello, caller. Identify yourself. What do you mean identify myself? The one and only Gary Smith bringing the bills inside her. What's going on, fellas? Not much. <laughs> I, I was hoping it was you. I have to say, though, every, um, uh, every time I hear your name, I think about uh, that Jimmy Fallon skit where he's like that obnoxious little girl in the basement, She's and her stepdad's name is Gary, or however she says it, so... Well, so, I, always... I don't know if that's a good... I don't know if that's a good analogy that I want to be associated with, but... Ah, it's... <laughs> There's no such thing as bad publicity, is what I'm told. So, um, okay, you are the first Bills-minded person on the show we've had tonight. So, I mean, we'll leave the honors to you. What player is going to become a Buffalo Bill tomorrow night? Oof. Well, I'd like to see how your little mock draft goes before I make that pick. But, um, you know, I think Rex and company is going to surprise everyone. I think they've been hinting. Uh, sporadically through the media that they might go offense rather than the popular defensive picks that Rex is used to the last couple of years. And if he's available, it would not shock me one bit if Treadwell is a Buffalo Bill tomorrow evening. Oh, man. I can't even imagine. So that that would be pretty cool, though. If you had to put money on it, though, and I just asked your brother the same thing. If you had to put money on this selection, who would you go with? You know, for for a while I was thinking a D lineman, but like I said, I really, truly, in my heart believe that they they want to turn this offense into a juggernaut. And I'm going to put, if I had to bet my whole, let's say I'm not going to do that, but let's just say I had to bet bet my uh, beer money for Friday night. I'm going to go with Laquan Treadwell if he's available. Hmm. And just to make you feel better about the whole. Uh... Gary thing that I mentioned earlier. I just want to say that Family Guy said said I had the most unattractive male name in the modern English language. So I had you oh, wow. all beat. So yeah, so don't worry about that. All so, right. Wow. Those yeah, are quite it's all words. Yeah. You didn't see that episode when he's trying to break into his father in law's vault or whatever, and the final question was, "What is the most unattractive male name in the modern English language?" And he sits there for a second and he's like, Keith. And then it opens. When I saw that happen, I was like, great, I'm never going to live that down. Yeah, well, listen, I tell you right now, if you notice my name, it's Gary Smith. 
I tell you right now, try checking into a hotel with Gary Smith. Immediately you get questioned about a fake name and whatnot. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh boy. All right, you guys are uh, cool with taking a call. We've got a couple of people who are gonna call. We got Matthew Canada calling in at um well, right around now. I want to get to a call first. You guys want to stay on the line with us? Yeah, I'll stay absolutely. On. All right, cool. Because we got this show going. We'll go until a little past. I think nine thirty, nine forty, somewhere in there. So uh, we'll go ahead. And I think that we're going to Los Angeles for this call. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Not much. Who am I talking to? Yeah. So you know, uh, are you gonna watch it dry after what? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Okay, I said, are you going to watch the draft, NFL draft, or whatever the fuck it is? Oh, oh my Lord. Yes, I hope to, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, if Jeremy Manziel... You can't even you say it without a- laughing. You, Who are you? You know if Johnny Manziel is going to get drafted, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh. Ridiculous. You, you only have like three viewers on there, so just shut the fuck up, ladies. Whoa, 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 language. We're on the air, young lady. But did you just call me young lady, you fat fuck? Okay, this, that's enough, I think. Oh, this is actually pretty funny. Yeah, we gotta keep this going. Don't stop. I I can't stop this just because it sounds. This sounds like a person who works for Kid Rock. I think it's a Howard Stern person or something. I hope so. I wish. Oh, that was so. I it's in Los Angeles, so it's got to be someone. I don't know. Um, we've got a couple of people who who are like Finsider people who are situated out there, but I couldn't I couldn't help but think about that. I don't want to use the the M word, but that uh, the small person who used to be in Kid Rock's clip, click uh, before he uh, passed away kind of sounds like that guy. So um, I don't really know what to say right now. Oh, Matthew Canada, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Nothing. I just I feel I feel violated at the conversation I just had. So um, yeah, twenty four. 24- 24 hours. Uh, nothing. We just one of our one of our listeners just crank calls and sounded like some oh. sounded like hun, sounded like Honey Boo Boo was calling us. So, uh, so yeah, 24 hours to the draft. What's going on? What are you hearing? Oh, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, just when I thought I had it figured all out, I got I got uh, another curveball thrown at me just a few hours ago. So cool. last night. You know, the conversation was based around Ezekiel Elliott, who the Dolphins have been linked to. And that's that's looks like your primary target. You've also got Miles Jackson looking at. And we had a thought yesterday that William Jackson was the target. And he still might be. You know, it's hard to decide, figure out what's spoken, what isn't, especially this late in the process. But today, or actually a few days ago, a source I was talking to had, had said to uh, myself, and one other person, you know, they said that they have a name. The Dolphins have switched, not switched up their draft board, but they have gotten new information. This person did from the Dolphins that 
there was a new target or there their target was one that we hadn't been talking about and he wouldn't give me the name. Um he said that it's at the point now where the dolphins don't want things being spread around uh between uh person to person. And so I left it at that. Um today, just a few hours ago the name Eli Apple was thrown at me by two other people. And so I went back to this person and said, Listen, is this guy that you're talking about Eli Apple? And he said yes. So the the pitch might be to the chagrin of Dolphins fans everywhere, Eli Apple in the first round of the draft. If Ezekiel Elliott doesn't fall, if they don't trade up to the number eight spot, if they pass up on Miles Jack, which is a possibility. Um, right now, many people are saying they like Apple over any other cornerback in the draft right now. Wow. Uh, again, I wonder if that. Again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I understand it could be a figure out if it's real or not, you know, but it's being thrown out there right now that Eli Apple could be the pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly – I think I can see that as a definite case, especially because he fits what uh, Vance Joseph wants to do. What is that going on in the background? Oh, boy. Who's in the bathroom? The, no, the background. Boy, this show just oh, really yeah, went I off the rails. Is. is that me? Did that start when I came on the phone? I, I don't think so. It's Gary. So uh, <laughs> I just identified the uh, the perp. So Good. I just, that, that sounds much better. <laughs> it sounded like, I don't know really what that was. So, all right. So Eli Apple rumor out there. Anything else you're hearing? Yeah. So, you know, you got the Eli Apple, you, you had the Jack Cochran stuff um, earlier this week. Um, that might be real. And you know, when's the last time I was on the show last week, right? And we had talked about a few things. Uh, That's talked right. About yeah. Delaney Jenkins being traded and whatnot. So here's the thing about Conklin. Um, that's an Adam Gase uh, pick. So we'll see how much say Adam Gase has in the draft. Adam Gase really is pushing for OL offensive line in the first few rounds of the draft in the first two, three rounds. We're going to see just how much power he has in his first time being a head coach and his first time being in the draft room as a head coach, of course. Um, if Conklin is the pick at 13 with others like Eli Apple, William Jackson on board, we know that uh, Tannenbaum and Greer are giving uh, Gase quite a bit of say. If hmm. a cornerback, running back, linebacker, um, then you know that, you know, Greer and Tannenbaum are really running the show. So Con- Conklin would be would, would be a horrible pick. I know people get the stigma of, oh, it's an offensive lineman. We're picking another one in the first round, right? Um, he would be the long-term answer at left tackle. And for the time being, he can kick in and play left guard next to Brandon Albert. Uh, they kind of solidify that offensive line. And then maybe look at a corner, most likely a cornerback in round two, if this is the scenario that takes place. Look at cornerback in round two. Look at a running back in round three, uh, and then pair with Jay Ajayi, who Gase seems to be pretty impressed with thus far. I knew I loved Adam Gase, and then I hear that news, and I'm like, okay, that's awesome. All right, uh, anything else before we go ahead and let you go? I uh, appreciate you giving us a give us a call. I know you're real busy the night before the draft. You got a ton of stuff going on, so. Yeah, I, I've been texting with people all day. I was just texting with a you know guy who works at town and Davey and you know obviously he's not giving me much information but he's dropping hints here and there um one of the biggest hints he dropped was you know that eighth spot with the Browns like I've been saying you know the past week or so that's really the prime spot the Dolphins are looking at and he feels that the upper management will try to make a splash whether that's for Ezekiel Elliott in the eighth spot um, or someone else like the Forrest Buckner who 
may drop down the draft board a little bit and be right there for the picking. And I know Dolphins fans will get nightmares everywhere, you know, moving up again to take another uh, Oregon defensive end slash linebacker hybrid kind of guy. So that will be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, a lot of things can happen. It's all going to depend on which way the draft board falls, uh, what, what the Cowboys do, what the Bears do, what the 49ers do, what the Giants do. It, it's going to be a wild tonight, and it's going to be a lot of uh, suspense leading up to the Dolphins pick and to see what they do. But watch that eight pick. If Elliott's on the board, if Jack is on the board, the Dolphins may not risk it and may try to jump ahead of the Giants uh, before they get their hands on Ellie, if really that's the one they're targeting. It's going to be cool because I think uh, once they announce that pick, I can go over to the media section tomorrow night and I can at least get some video. I can do something so I can share that. Are you, on. In, Chicago, are you in Chicago right now? Yeah. I, I mean, I live in the Chicagoland area. So Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I'm Good, going to take yeah. the train down. I'll take it yeah, down around. I went, around to, the, I went to the draft in New York, and I know, you know, you'll be there with the media, right? You'll be there as part of the media grouping. Um, yes. You know, they print out instant reports on all the players right away, so you should have a great time. Yeah, it's it's cool. I am uh, I got more of a rundown on what's going on with it, so I'm feeling better about it now that there's not really any, uh, any unknown elements going on. So hopefully right. now it's something. Um, something where I can just sit there and then enjoy it. Try, yeah, I'm going to try to get as much video. Else. Yeah. I'm going to try to get a, as much video and stuff up on Twitter as possible. We'll see how that goes, but um, we'll, we'll, you and I will stay in contact tomorrow and anything I hear, I'll let you know, and you please do the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Matthew Kanata, Finsider Insider, as always, great information. Uh, my go-to when it comes to Dolphins news and rumors. Thanks for, uh, hanging out with us for a little bit and we'll talk to you soon, Matt. All right, guys. I'll t- talk to you later. Okay. All right. Good night. All right. Bye. All right. Well, go ahead. And maybe hopefully Gary's done with his club music now. So we'll see. Him. Gary, are you there? I'm there. I'm, I'm a little concerned that he thinks that Conklin could play the left side. I don't well, know, with him. guys. I think that's a pipe dream. I honestly, I like Conklin. Don't get me wrong. I think the guy's sure. smaller. I think that he's a plug-and-play at right tackle or any guard position right now in the league. But I worry about his feet. He gets out of his sets real slow as opposed to, like, a Decker or a Stanley. And um, I worry about that. Now, I know that the Dolphins especially, you know, Albert's not a spring chicken. They're going to have to find a long-term solution. And he has some, you know, some health issues. Um you know, I think Jawan James, though, I think his rookie season when he played left tackle, he was serviceable. I'm not saying he was stellar. But I would look like if if, if Conklin's there, he's a safe pick, but he's a right tackle, in my opinion, true and true, and, I, and there's no doubt about it. I'd be concerned if that was my left tackle. To me, he reminds me a lot of Riley Reef, who plays with the Detroit Lions mm-hmm. out of Iowa. Just a, just a molar uh, – Get in your face. Uh, he'll he'll play whistle to whistle, but the athleticism that's something I worry about. I'm kind of on the fence there. I like his athleticism enough to look at him as a left tackle. I think it's interesting. You mentioned this last week when I called into your show that you're big on Taylor Decker's athleticism. You gotta like his length, and you gotta like uh, how he tests at the combine. Now I know 
people will point to the tape, but let me tell you something. What you can't teach is how long that guy is and how athletic he is. Now, I tell you what, a lot of people were impressed with Taylor Lewan at the combine, but he's proven not to be a suitable left tackle in this league. Sure. The, jury, the jury's still out on Decker. I'm not saying I just like his upside better than Conklin's. One thing you can't teach is how nasty Conklin is, and uh, that's something that you're never going to get out of him. He's going to continue to bury guys in the dirt. He's going to continue to play whistle-to-whistle. And let's face it, the Dolphins need someone like that. I mean, too many years, the, the days of Jason Fox and Dallas Thomas, I mean, those guys are very soft. They could use a few big nasties in there. and uh, You know, if he's there, it makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins to take him. But if you're going to take him with the intention of him replacing Brandon Alpert, I think you're playing some risky business, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll leave you guys on the line just as we go ahead and round up this show. It's about time to call it. Uh, I do want to ask, though, before we, we do anything, um, Ron and Lewis, I want to get your guys' picks for uh, the player you think will become a Miami Dolphin tomorrow night. We'll go ahead. Well, we'll go with Lewis this time. Who's your guy? The guy I think or the guy I want? The guy you think. Uh, I'm going to go with William Jackson. Okay. How about you, Ron? I don't, I'm, oh, I'm, go ahead. I'm really, go ahead, Lewis. No, it's okay. Go ahead, Ron. It's okay. Um, I mean, I'm really torn between two that I really think are going to be there. I'm, I'm going to go Lawson. I think Lawson falls to us and we make that pick. You know you just pissed off Billy, right? I just pissed off Hillbilly. I know I just pissed him off on Twitter 20 minutes ago, so I, I might as well finish it off. <laughs> there you go. You might, yeah. You're that far in. Why stop midstream? So, all right. I want to go ahead and thank uh, our um, special guest tonight, Kyle Inc., Gary Smith. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Earlier, we had Alex Shane from Pat Pulpit. We had uh, John B. from Gang Green Nation. Uh, had a lot of fun talking to those guys. We were able to get Patriots and Jets perspectives. And then Gary showed up, and he was able to talk about the Bills, so I'm appreciative of that. Uh, my uh, usual co-host, uh, Ron, and uh, my uh, uh, my other host, uh, Lewis of Finn Maniacs. Appreciate you guys stopping by or uh, actually hanging with me. So, um I'll see what I'm able to do posting uh, on Twitter at the draft tomorrow night. I hopefully uh, can do a ton of stuff. I'm not sure. I've gotten better at multitasking, so we'll see what I can pull off tomorrow night. Uh, in the meantime, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, that one caller from California, the one who sounded like a, a Muppet, uh, come at me, bro. I will take you down. So um, in the meantime, thanks to everyone. Have a great draft party if you watch it by yourself if you're in chicago and you're going downtown uh hit me up uh we can go ahead and uh go ahead and meet up before uh, the draft facilities start at uh i think it's 8 p.m eastern tomorrow night it's 7 central so all right for everyone here thanks for tuning in to finsider radio we'll talk to you next week wednesday 8 p.m eastern good night okay.
Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.